morning. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we can hear what you want us to hear today, so that you might do a mighty work in us today, and so that we can see the riches of your love, and in doing so, may our hearts glorify you. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to assume that most everyone here knows what the term blind spots means, especially when it comes to driving. I remember years ago, back in high school, I had my first car. I was on the highway with a friend, and I was in the left lane, and I went to merge over to the right, and all of a sudden, I just hear this person laying in on their horn. And I dart my head over, and I see this car just about to swerve off the side of the road. So I quickly move back over into the left lane, and this car, thankfully, gets back into the lane. And all was well. It was awkward trying to figure out what to do next, but um, everything was fine. And I was scared, of course, and I'm sure my friend was scared, who was with me, who was probably fearing for his life. Uh, And I was humiliated and embarrassed at my blunder. And it was crazy to me because I thought I had everything in view in that moment, but it was that one blind spot that got me. And up to this day, I still have that moment in the back of my mind, and it uh, still makes me drive with extra caution. And I mention this little story because the gospel reading today speaks on the issue of spiritual blind spots. And I believe in this Lenten season, God is calling us to come to grips with our own spiritual blind spots. Like the blind man in the gospel passage, we often fail to see the ways that we have gone wayward from God and how we need him. And like the Pharisees, we can become overly self-assured of our spiritual health when really there is more growth and healing that must take place in our lives. And the good news is that Christ is more than willing to do this work in us today. J.C. Ryle once said, There is an infinite willingness in God to save man if man is only willing to be saved. So the question for us today is, are we, real, are we willing to receive what Christ has for us today? So let's go to the word. If you have your Bible, uh, I invite you to turn, turn to John's Gospel in chapter 9. Again, that's John chapter 9. We're going to start with verses 1 through 3. It says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So here we are in Jerusalem, right after the Feast of Tabernacles, and Jesus and his disciples are walking outside of the temple, and suddenly Jesus narrows in on this blind man. And we see his disciples ask this insensitive question right in the presence of the blind man, questioning whether or not he or his parents had sinned to cause his infirmity. You see, there was this common thought in rabbinical theology during that time that 
the sins of parents or even the sins of the child could cause an infirmity. If the parents worshiped the false god, it could cause the child to be born with some sort of infirmity. And somehow or another, they believed that a baby could sin in the womb and be punished by God with an infirmity. Even today, we hear superstitious thoughts like these. But Jesus redirected their assumptions. Rather than pointing to a specific sin, causing a specific issue, Jesus says, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We'll come back to this answer in just a moment. But I want to narrow in on this connection between the blind man and the reality of spiritual blindness. Jesus himself makes this connection. If you'll look at me at verses 39 through 41, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Do you see the connection here? Jesus is using his, his healing of the blind man to make the spiritual connection and application. He speaks of blindness in a spiritual sense. He reveals that he has come to heal the spiritually blind. And for the sake of this homily, there are two out of many reasons why I can point out that we must be healed of our spiritual blindness. Firstly, so that we can be in a right relationship with God again. And secondly, so that we can join God in his kingdom mission. When I say in order for us to be in a right relationship with God, I'm pointing to how the fall affected our uh, relationship with God. We reflected on this a few Sundays ago with Adam and Eve. Because of their disobedience, it led to what? A fallen creation, right? A world tainted by the poison of sin. And our very human nature from birth has been affected by this sin. In the 39 Articles of Religion in the back of our Book of Common Prayer, Article 9 states that man is very far gone from original righteousness and is of his own nature inclined to evil, so that the flesh lusteth always contrary to the spirit. And Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22, expands upon this furthering reality. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. This is indeed, friends, a sobering reality that we cannot ignore. You see, spiritual blindness doesn't mean that we're blind to the evidences of God. 
It means that we're blind to the value of God and that we're blind to, the, to our own sinfulness. And this is true for those who have yet to put their faith in Christ. And this is a danger for us who already have, especially when we let go of humility and a willingness to be transformed. Like the hymn, Come Thou Fount, says, we are prone to wander and prone to leave the God we love. Or like we confess in the morning daily office, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. Friends, every hour we need Jesus to open the eyes of our blind hearts. Which leads us back to his answer to his disciples. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, underneath Jesus' answer is this reality of the fall and that it has warped and tainted this world. If Adam and Eve didn't disobey God, this man wouldn't have been born blind. Likewise, we wouldn't have been spiritually blind at birth. But Jesus doesn't mention any of this in his answer. It's just a given. It seems that Jesus isn't as concerned with explaining the why of this man's, born, this man's blindness, but of what God can do with this man's blindness. And the same can be said for us in our spiritual blindness. You know, after the fall, God could have just restarted everything and created a whole new world, but he didn't. And why is that? It was so that his glory and his works might be displayed in us. This reminds me of the old Latin phrase, Felix culpa, or translated happy fault. Because of the fall, we see the heart of God being poured out upon the world through the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. His love that was displayed on the cross as he died to take away the sins of the world. So how does this gospel passage help us trust this Jesus that has taken away the sins of the world? Well, first, with the miracle in mind, let's look back in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 6 through 7. The prophet Isaiah declared this word from the Lord about the Messiah. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. Do you see the connections here? Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah, Jesus, would open the eyes of the blind. No one in history had ever healed a person born blind, but Jesus did. And Isaiah's prophecy didn't just have physical implications, it goes further. Notice the description that Isaiah gives to those with blind eyes. He says that they are those who are from the prison who sit in darkness. What is this darkness? It's spiritual darkness. It was not only a miracle that Jesus healed this blind man from birth, but that he heals people's spiritual eyes. That he can heal the eyes of our broken, self-centered and rebellious, and lust-driven, and God-resisting hearts is a far greater miracle 
And then notice in verse 6 in Isaiah 42, that the Messiah would be a light for the nations. This is interesting. Again, it was during this time in this scene that, the, that this was taking place after the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was during this Jewish feast that the city of Jerusalem was lit up with lights more than any time of the year. And it was a reminder of God's presence with their ancestors in the wilderness when the pillar of cloud turned into, a, into fire during the night so that in this world of darkness, God's presence was lit to them. It was evident to them. And in the gospel passage today, we hear Jesus in verse 5 say, I am the light of the world. He was essentially declaring that he was the very presence of God in their midst and that his light is the hope for the world. And so the question for us today is, are we trusting Jesus? Does our theology, does the way we think, does our hearts reflect our belief that Jesus really is the Messiah, that he is the only one who can open the eyes of the blind, that he is the only one who can rescue us from the burdens of our sins? The Pharisees surely didn't. Right when it should have been obvious to them, they refused to believe the truth. We see in verse 16 that they discounted Jesus' miracle. You see, they believed it was forbidden to pray for someone on the Sabbath unless they were on the verge of death. And so they called Jesus a sinner. And in the next chapter, in verse 20, we see other Jews saying he had a demon and that he was insane. And it's here that we see the reality of Jesus' pronouncement of judgment in verses 39 through 41. That those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. You see, the light of Christ shines upon all, yet it further blinds the self-righteous. The pride and abuse of power that the Pharisees had led them to think that they had control over spiritual matters. In verse 34, they told the blind man, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? Ironically, their own indwelling sin led them to reject the lordship of Jesus. J.I. Packer once wrote, This moral deformity is dynamic. Sin stands revealed as an energy of irrational, negative, and rebellious reaction to God's call and command, a spirit of fighting God in order to play God. How often, friends, do we cling to control? How often do we like to play God in our own lives? And yet, on the other hand, the light of Christ opens the eyes of those who humbly admit their blindness. This is our aim, friends. Humility is the way. A broken and contrite heart Jesus does not despise. So what happens when he does this miracle in our lives? What happens when he opens our spiritual eyes? Well, notice how between verses 8 to 34, there is this vast array of doubt and disbelief. The healed blind man was unrecognizable to some of the people who knew him before he was healed. He was a new man. And likewise, when Jesus opens our spiritual eyes, he changes us into a new creation. 
He calls us into a new life that looks much different than before. We heard this in the epistle reading today, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Paul exhorts us to be imitators of God. He says, our old ways should no longer define us. In fact, he urges us to not be partners with those who walk in continual, continual disobedience, but he says for us to be partners in Christ's light and to walk as children of light. This is what we're called to, friends. When this work takes place in our heart, it appears odd to those who knew us before. We find ourselves pushing against the grain of our old ways. It's like trying to mix oil and water. It doesn't work. And yet, even after following Jesus for many years, we still find ourselves wrestling with darkness, wrestling with temptations of past sins, wrestling with foolish talk or crude joking, as Paul mentions, at our workplaces, wrestling against trying to fit the mold of what our darkened society expects. We are surrounded and submerged in a world of darkness. But the call remains, as Paul says, we are to be imitators of God and to walk in love as Christ loved us, uh, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And notice what else we're called to. Paul says we are to take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but in ex- instead expose them. You see, there's this vicarious relationship Jesus has with us. The language he uses about himself is the language he uses for us as his church. The light of the world calls us to be the light of the world. He said this himself in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Oh, how this should humble us. And how we fail to grasp this often. Every day is a new day for us to step into this calling and mission. To expose darkness and to bring people into the light of Christ. So how can we step into it? One way is by walking in this discipleship of Lent that we're in. You know, the season of Lent involves us to examine ourselves to soberly examine our sinfulness, asking God to reveal the ways we've gone astray, asking God to show us our blind spots, the very blind spots that are part of what sent Jesus to the cross. And we can do this tangibly today as we move into a time of confession. We do this every Sunday, but I encourage you to allow each word of our prayer to invite God to reveal our blind spots to us. For example, when you pray by what we have done and by what we have left undone, let that be a way for you to ask him to show you those blind spots. And just like the blind man in the reading today, I encourage you to let humility be your posture towards Jesus. Allow him to take those blind spots. Allow him to take the messiness of your life and use it all to display his mighty works in you. We might be at times messy and wayward sheep, but Jesus loves his sheep. And he loves to draw near to us and for us to draw near to him. Dane Ortland once wrote, 
We cannot present a reason for Christ to finally close off his heart to his own sheep. No such reason exists. Every human friend has a limit. If we offend enough, if a relationship gets damaged enough, if we betray enough times, we are cast out. The walls go up. With Christ, our sins and weaknesses are the very resume items that qualify us to approach him. So draw near, friends. Draw near to our good shepherd and walk in his light today. Amen.